Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Gluttony Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hey, Scott Romine here. Hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. Excited to talk to our first guest. He is the strongest pharmacist in the world, Bill Davis. He's got a number of books on the market since the 80s about strength training, bodybuilding, all that kind of thing. You might have heard the term when huge is not enough. How are you, Mr. Davis? I'm doing great, Scott. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's always good to talk to you. you know, you're in Phoenix, Arizona. It's got to be super hot out that way. It's very hot. Actually, I'm in Tucson, Arizona right now. But yeah, um, in Phoenix, it was 115 a few days ago. And even right now, as we speak, it's 106 here in Tucson. <laughs> Jeez. But it's a dry heat, I'm sure. It's a dry heat. 4% humidity. Oh. That's right. Gosh, well, you've got a new book out, When Huge is Not Enough, number two. And, of course, I want to talk to you about that. But the topical thing right now, of course, is this COVID-19, and you're a pharmacist, and you work out. How do you feel about gyms are kind of vilified right now as, as being one of the most dangerous places to go? Is that true, or what should people be thinking about that? Uh, you know, Scott, <clears throat> I would say, excuse me, the truth lies somewhere in the middle um, I feel that exercising and helping yourself to stay healthy, you know, could help you, you know, fight COVID uh, or contracting it. But I also acknowledge that, you know, if you're going into a gym and, you know, 100 people have been touching some bar and then you touch it and rub your nose, I mean, it is potentially, you know, if, if there's a possibility of contracting it. And there is a lot of sweating going on in there, too. Yes. Um, part of me wants to say, well, it's probably a lot of young people in there, you know, in their teens and 20s. So that population is less likely to have it, but they they possibly could be carriers of it. So if I was to tell anybody, go to the gym, bring your own little bottle of uh, hand sanitizer or wipes or something to be careful about rubbing your face, you know, your mouth, eyes or nose. That's true. Yeah, that's and maybe go at, at times when it's not so busy. Yeah, you know, I, when I was going to my gym back in March and April and May before it went out of business, believe it or not, um, I was going there all the time and so weren't all the same regulars. And, you know, thank goodness none of us got it, um, but we are all like being careful and like, you know, they have sanitizer dispensers everywhere on the wall and hand wipes. And um, yeah, it's prudent to, you know, be practice hygiene like that and be careful. One of the things I've noticed, Bill, is the price of dumbbells and home equipment, if you could even find it, is through the roof. Yes. I was even recently, you know, I've had a home gym on my back patio for probably 10 years. I've got an Olympic weight, uh, special dumbbells that I can put up to 250 pounds on, benches, power racks. And I was looking into trying to get like a maybe a, a leg press machine or a standing calf machine. And I went to Amazon and the, they were like $4,000. And I'm like, <laughs> I, can't af- I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll pass at that rate. You know, just, yeah, just like, why don't do you just move cars around? Just pick up yeah. cars, Bill. We know you can do it. That'd be easier. <laughs> so as a pharmacist, have you filled any of this uh hydrochloroquine or any of this stuff we hear about on the news you know in in my particular job i don't deal with that i'm not a you know an actual dispensing pharmacist so the answer is no i've got you well i had to ask because you hear about that a lot 
Yeah, you, no you hear about that a lot. It's interesting because I was just reading your newest book, When Huge is Not Enough Too, and your workouts and your recommendations almost kind of cater to this COVID-19 situation that we're in because you're not really talking about people going to the gym a lot or even staying there a very long time. Yeah, and that's a big misconception, Scott. I've had people look at me in the past and say, you know, when I was younger, they say, Bill, God, you're huge. You must be in the gym six days a week, two hours a day. I go, no, I'm actually in there like twice a week for 30 minutes. That's unreal. Twice a week and you're that big. Uh, yeah, it's hard to explain. It's it's an inverse, you know, relationship between um, like intensity and size. Um, you know, if you work out really, really long hours, you're probably like wearing yourself down and not growing you know, it's, um, you can lay the, some analogies real quick are, is you can lay in the sun for 15 seconds, 15 minutes and, you know, get a little bit of redness. And in a few days, you got a nice tan, but if you lay in the sun for two hours, you get a third degree burn. True. Um, uh, look at, look at the sun. You can lay on the sun for, um, you know, two hours, get a nice tan. If you're used to it, you get a magnifying glass and focus that sunlight onto a point in your skin and it'll burn within five seconds. That's intensity. And that's what it takes to grow. It's pushing yourself as hard as you can, you know, one or two sets until you drop. If you, know, you just go until you can't do any more. And that's really the secret of, of growing uh, is putting ever more stress on a muscle, more and more stress as you get bigger and bigger. You have to find more intense and efficient ways of extracting more juice, if you will, from any given rep. Are you technically tearing the muscle or damaging something that has to be repaired and it goes back stronger? Is that kind of what happens after an intense workout like that? Yes, I've read lots of you know books by exercise physiologists and such. And what happens is there is a little down the microfibular, uh, five fiber level. You know, there's some tearing and some destruction that goes on. And what happens is, um, you know, when you first work out, you you spend a couple of days, you know, trying to get over it. Your body is building back to where it was. And then basically, what your body will do is, if you allow it enough time, is it'll add on like maybe a eighth of an inch or a sixteenth of an inch as insurance so if you try to do that again it's ready for it ah the soreness that you feel in your muscles i've always heard that was a thing with lactic acid is that true or no yes i think it's a combination of lactic acid and muscles actually being damaged yeah because if you look at like a dr pepper can that's like an ingredient so that's probably not good to be drinking that i don't know <laughs> you I, know? I haven't i haven't drank any nothing against dr pepper but i haven't really drank any sodas in the last 20 years oh man you're doing great now you're like 59 now right yes sir but you're still making gains in the gym what what is it that makes it harder to make gains as you get older is it testosterone level being down or is it something else that could be a part of it looking back now over 45 years I've noticed that as you get older, you can still make good gains, but it takes longer to recuperate than when you're 16. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, tell me what a Cro-Magnon workout is, because, I mean, I was kind of drawn <laughs> to that reading the new book. I'm like, man, we're going to be a caveman here. 
But you those know, guys were probably pretty strong back then. Yeah, I remember seeing a, a BBC show like on the Discovery Channel years ago about either Cro-Magnons or Neanderthals, and they looked at the skeletal remains and thought, you know, these guys were five foot nine and weighed two hundred and fifty. And the guy on TV said, Yeah, they probably looked like Arnold. Yeah, they probably did. You know, you know so anyway, as a joke, you know, when we're all young, we all say funny things when we're twenty-five. And um I called it that because like a, a Cro-Magnon, the workout is brutal. It's unrefined. It's not sophisticated. It's crude. Um, you know, there's nothing pleasant about it. It's it's very painful. And you basically just pick a few compound movements that, um, you know, work major muscle areas in the body, 80% of them. And um, you go all out to failure and basically just annihilate yourself. And then you lay around for a week or two, just eating and sleeping, and you grow. Can't three basic exercises hit the whole body? Yeah, if you were to pick, like, <clears throat> say, uh, excuse me, like, say, bench press would work your your chest, your shoulders, and your triceps. You could do, like, bent rows. <clears throat> excuse me, Scott. You're good. You, you could do, like, bent over rows. And that would work your your uh, your lats, your inner back, your rear shoulders, your biceps, your forearms. Right up, right there, you've probably hit eighty or ninety percent of your upper body. If you did squats, you'd get your or leg presses, you'd get your thighs, your buttocks, you know. And um, so, right there, I feel like that's about eighty percent of your major muscle mass. And I do say in that chapter, you could add them just for maintenance, like a set each of like standing calf raises, abdominals, and maybe like shoulder presses or lateral raises for your shoulders and boom you know six exercises you've done the whole body hey scott roman here we are talking with the strongest pharmacist in america bill davis he started out in the 80s with books when huge is not enough and you've written how many books now you know that's hard to say uh, probably at least a dozen and then i condensed like eight of them into uh, a compilation book years ago called the best of the rest of brutal huge so <laughs> so right now there's four major books out there one could buy and where would we get the book where, where would people go and pick up one of these books they can go to amazon or they can get them from my personal website um brutallyhuge.com um, they're on barnes and noble what was your inspiration for brutally huge people know that term now but i'm, I'm sure you probably started that Scott, that's a good question. You're going to laugh. When I was really, really young, I was like, hadn't finished college yet. I had no money. I was broke. And I saw this infomercial and this guy was saying on TV that everybody in the world is good at something. And if you knew how to market that knowledge, you could make money. I said, well, what am I good at? And I thought, well, getting huge. So I got a friend's computer back in 1986 and started typing the first prototype book and put out a classified ad in Muscle and Fitness and that's how it started i had a little book there and it went it sold like like wildfire everybody bought it i miss those days when when people actually put a little ad in something and like everyone knows sea monkeys i remember my I remember aunt you know when i was a kid yeah yeah i mean you know <laughs> sea monkeys and is it charles hatless you know the the bully kicks the sand in the guy's face everyone knows that yep yep you know Tell me about something that sounds kind of crazy. I was uh, reading one of your books here, When Huge is Not Enough 2, and uh, doing a workout in slow motion is an interesting concept. Why Why is that so good for you? There's a lot of um, answers to that question. 
Uh, first of all, um, it increases the stress on a muscle. It focuses it like with laser-like focus versus wildly swinging a weight up and down where gravity and momentum are doing most of the lifting. Uh, number two, uh, it puts a, an awful lot of stress on the muscle but it takes it off the joints. So as you get older and older, that can be important. Um, it's really hard to hurt your joints when you are 110% in complete control of a weight. But if it's controlling you and flying around, you can get hurt. That's true. So you can get really good gains. You can get really good gains off minimal amount of time and effort, and you don't get hurt. So that's probably the three biggest um, reasons why I really like it. I've been doing that for about, God, at least 10 years now. Bill, on these movements and these exercises, are there a point, I don't know, maybe in a squat or a leg press or, or anything where bone is touching bone and that's what is hurting, you know, where you're going to suffer down the road? Yes, it's funny. You, if you should mention that, um, in my work, I deal uh, with a lot of patients who um, get osteoarthritis of the knee and make a long story short between your your thigh bone which is the femur and your shin bone which is the tibia most people have about a quarter inch thick layer of cartilage as you get older and older that wears out or if you're doing too much repetitive exercise like running marathons all the time or doing 20 sets for your legs three times a week that cartilage can eventually wear out and you will eventually get to the point where it gets thinner and thinner and now you get what's called medically bone on bone, where the Ugh. bone is rubbing on the bone. And at that point, you need what's called viscoelastic injections into your knee joint, or they might even say you need to get a new knee joint. So let's say we're doing leg presses. Let's just not lock out at the top. Can we avoid this? Yes. You know what? Um, as a matter of fact, I talked to an orthopedic surgeon one time years ago. Whenever you do any kind of exercise, Scott, where you could lock out, say, leg presses, squats, bench presses, shoulder presses, or dips, you have bone resting on bone. If you stop short of locking out, you keep the tension on the muscle where you want it, but the, bone, the joint is free-floating. There's no basically load on the bone joints. I got you. I got to ask you, when you're doing this super slow workout, obviously you're bench pressing and you're taking your time to put it up. How many times does somebody run over there and grab the bar thinking you're in trouble? <laughs> that has happened. That has happened. <laughs> and I got so angry the guy's going to grab the bar from my chest. I'm like, no, no, don't touch it. <laughs> he thought you were in trouble. I mean, because if you think about it, if you're struggling or you're pushing the thing up really slow, it looks like you're having trouble. Some good soul just thinks he's helping you, and they run over thinking, you know, that you're stuck, and, you know, I'm an old man, and the bar's stuck, and I'm going to get crushed, and uh, that's why I like, kind of like working at home right now. <laughs> Tell me about the people that, because when I was really into lifting, for me, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who are the ones that you just idolized back in the day that inspired you? You know, I'm like you. I remember, I, you know missed the what's called the golden era of bodybuilding when muscle builder and power magazine still existed back in the 70s and you know all the champs from the muscle beach era in the 60s and 70s so i'm kind of an old timer in that regards um honestly i stopped reading muscle magazines back in 1984 wow that was the kind of their heyday as well flex and iron man and all that stuff was going full speed 
Yeah, now they're bankrupt. Flex is no more. Yeah, I've heard that even women's bodybuilding, Miss Olympia and all that, I've heard that is not even a thing anymore. Nope, you're right. What killed it, Bill? Was it uh, human growth hormone or, or they're just, they became unobtainable for the normal person? I mean, what was the death of all of this? You've hit it, Scott. And um, yeah, I haven't done any scientific studies, so I couldn't really answer. But if you ask my opinion, I remember back when I used to advertise in some of the larger magazines in the 80s, they had a readership of, you know, 8 million eyes, they would call it, you know, per, per month. And now if you look in the same magazines or call their advertising department, it's down to 1.8 million. I think to answer your question, I would agree with you 100%. I think a lot of people look at these people today and say, you know, we know that's not real. It's just too freaky. It does not appealing probably to the average person. And you, like you said, they know it's not attainable naturally. Yeah. And they're big bloated stomachs. It doesn't even honestly look appealing <laughs> at all. I mean, I could see yeah. that at the golden corral, you know, and, you know, I, and Scott, I can tell you pharmacologically speaking. And I, when I was younger, I used to make treks out to, you know, Mecca, you know, World's Gym and Gold's Gym in Santa Monica. And I, oh, yeah. I've talked, I've talked to, um, I can't mention names, but years ago, uh, uh, one of the CEOs, the co-CEO of a large national gym chain. And, uh, you know, a lot of these professional bodybuilders, I mean, it's very unfortunate, but they're taking six to 14 drugs a month. Oh, that's not good for long term at all. No, and they can also be on all kinds of drug for health problems. Like they can be on, believe it or not, and I'm not trying to infer anything bad here, but they can. Some of them can be on antipsychotics for the steroid rage. They can be on blood pressure drugs because if you weigh 320 pounds and you're you're angry, I mean your blood pressure can be through the roof. You can have arrhythmias in your heart from steroids. I mean, it's just they take a lot of drugs to help overcompensate the problems you get from taking so many drugs the average person does doesn't aspire to to do that uh, yeah i wouldn't no. think you know that i would think that's the death of it and it's interesting that even when you look at movies now in the 80s of course you're arnold and stallone everybody's ripped now it's like the rock is the only one that kind of has a physique anybody would look up to that even the other action heroes nobody looks like that anymore you remember scott back in the 60s people wanted to look like steve reeves sure you know and people people thought wow he looks good and i know what looks good is subjective everybody has their own definition of quote unquote what looks good but i really think that when people are running around um just my opinion mind you weighing you know 325 pounds and you're five foot ten you've lost you've lost all aesthetics Thank you so much for, for talking with us, Bill. Uh, always super great to talk to you and, and interesting books. When Huge is Not Enough too. that's the latest book by Bill Davis. You can get that at BrutallyHuge.com or Amazon. So good to talk to you, Bill. I hope you come you back. Too, Scott. Get your new, get another book out. We'll talk again. All right. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much. Uh, talk to you soon. Scott Romine here for Guatney Unplugged. We will be right back. You're listening to Guatney Unplugged on News Radio 102.9 KARN with Scott Romine. Brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group, 